Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. Hey guys, welcome back to a new episode. I'm going to start by asking you to reflect on your weekend. What happened this weekend? Were there things going on that you enjoyed? Were there things going on that were restorative for you? That's gonna be the topic for today. We're going to talk about recreation and recreational wellness and why it actually matters. And it's especially going to matter to people, well, frankly, to all of us. But when there's a trauma history involved, I want to connect why recreational wellness matters there too. And one of the things we culturally talk about self-care so often, from my point of view, recreational wellness is a pivotal piece of self-care. Self-care, it goes far beyond just pampering the body. It goes far beyond just boundaries and avoiding toxicity. It's also about healthy inputs that are restored and hopefully playful and enjoyable. And one of the things I ask my clients pretty much every time I see them is I say, is there anything on the calendar that you're looking forward to? And I had a client stop about two weeks ago and she's in a season of going through a divorce and it's been such an excruciating season for her. And she kind of looked at me quizzically and she said, I'm not sure why you ask me that all the time. She said, you're really kind of obsessed with my calendar. Well, what was interesting was this past week she came in and she was lit up and she was telling me about how she's going out with a friend in two weeks and she's very much looking forward to this dinner. And I looked at her and I said, that's why I care what's on your calendar. Because look at you right now, lit up and excited about something that in two weeks is really meaningful to you. And so in spite of the sludge of these next couple of weeks, you have something that's going to be a bright spot. And I'm excited for that. And I can see that you're excited for that. And that's why recreation matters. Because when we're going through seasons of hard and seasons of high distress, when we know it's time bound, we're able to endure much better. And so what I work with clients who are in seasons of distress, I work with them on understanding that we need injections of stress relief and we need injections of enjoyment. We need injections of playfulness in our day and in our weeks and in our months and in our year. Even if it's small, we need things to look forward to. And I'm going to, towards the end of this, talk about kind of the public opinion of others and how that's for the birds, frankly. But one of my clients, her husband is going through a health journey right now. And it's just been excruciating. Um, He's been off work for the broadside of about seven months at this point. They have about another three months to go of treatments before they hopefully are able to push a pause button. And along the way, uh, she has attended a book study that has become incredibly important to her. It's a weekly commitment. She also started taking a ballroom dancing class. And that was, I think, like a six or an eight week commitment. And others were wondering, like, why are you doing this? And in such a season of distress, how do you have time to go out and dance? How do you have time to go out and study? And what I love is she's been able to kind of push back those voices of dissension. And she's able to say like, these are the things that help me endure. These are the things that I look forward to when nothing else in my life is making sense. And that's why recreation matters, especially when we're in the throes of mega chaos. We're we're wanting to make sure that there are things going on where there's actually a pause button or a restoration that's happening. And recreation by its very nature, it means something done for enjoyment when we're not working. Now, culturally, we work ourselves weary, many of us do. And so to do things that are non-productive, so 
you know, I write and I call that recreational, but in fact, I'm trying to be productive there. I'm trying to have a product at the end of it. When I'm doing this podcast, yes, it is recreational. I'm, I haven't monetized it. It's not part of my career, but it's something that I'm getting a byproduct out of. And so it's part of the work that I do. It's not part of the restoration that I experience. So I do a lot of things that are work or work adjacent. When we're talking about recreation, we're talking about things that don't have the purpose of production. And if you do things that bring you joy and they produce, that's okay too. And and go and do those things. But what do you do just for the sake of doing it? Because it's at the intersection of something that you enjoy and something that you set time aside for because it just brings you pleasure. So one of the things I like to do is learn about art and go to art galleries. And I want to start collecting art too. And I want to be kind of educated about the best way to go about that. But for right now, I'm just a consumer of art information and looking at really cool pictures and trying to learn more about art concepts. That has zero payoff in productivity. It's doing it for the sake of doing it because I enjoy it. And so one of the ways I coach my clients through trying to find new hobbies is I tell them my method is I notice what I notice. So I think that's a really important thing. What becomes part of our awareness? What do we notice other people doing? What activities are going on that catch our attention? When we start to track what am I noticing, then we can start moving towards some pondering, hmm, I wonder if that might be for me. So one of the reasons I started to kind of get an affinity for motorcycles is every time one would go by me and it was every time without fail, I know that I would crane my head to look at the bike, to look at the rider or the riders, to look at the style of what's going on. I'm just intrigued by the entire thing. And because that's true, I've decided, okay, that's something I want to learn more about. And hopefully that's a path that I'm going to walk down at some point. Now I'll have to do a lot of learning how to use my hands and feet independently from one another. Like all four of them have to be used in different ways. It's very confusing for me. But I I want to walk down that path because I notice what I notice. I live pretty close to an airport and I notice airplanes every time they fly by. I pause and I watch and I kind of hypothesize. I wonder where they're going. I wonder what it would be like to go there. So I notice that travel interests me. And so that's something I've added into my calendar, things that I can look forward to. Possibly something's come up coming up in March here, but for sure I'm going to do some traveling in April. I have stuff going going on in June, hopefully stuff in October, and hopefully stuff next November, December, I can endure seasons of stress if I know that in a month or two, I have this really cool thing that I'm looking forward to. And that's what I want to invite you into. What can you put on your calendar that is going to excite you, that's going to bring you into some type of contentedness with what's going on right now? Because you know that in a few days or in a few weeks or in a month or so, you're going to be able to press a pause button and do some restoration. One of the other ways to track down what might interest you is to reflect back. Look at the past. What's something that once lit you up? Why did you give it up? What might it look like to start that again? Often we give up things that we feel we might outgrow, but what if that's kind of some of our own perceptions or misconceptions? What if those are just some cultural norms that we can actually push back against? What if doing Pokemon Go in your 50s is as exciting as you think it is and you should just go out and do it? What if building giant Lego sets is a really cool way to take steam off and you're in your 40s and you still want to do it? Awesome. Go and do it. 
What if playing around and accessorizing Barbies in your 20s is not a really doofy thing to do? What if, in fact, it brings you joy and you just go ahead and do it anyway? Think, and I I don't have any specific anecdotes on why those three things stood out here, but those are those tend to be some things that we give up because other people let us know we've outgrown them. And we can push back against that and say, you know what? It's something I enjoy, so it's something I'm going to choose to do anyway. It can still be for me. So reflect on that. Are there things that once brought you joy that you found relaxing and fun? What would it look like to add that back in? It can also be about learning new things, but you have to be careful about turning it into just the next responsibility, the next thing that fills up the calendar and now makes a demand of you instead of it's something that you actually set time aside for enjoyment. There's going to be some bonus points, not that my bonus points here matter, but there's bonus points if what you do actually connects you into community somehow. So as we talk about risks and resources and as we talk about protective factors, when you build community, that's something that is going to help mitigate anxiety in many of our stories. So if you have an interest in doing something and you join a fitness or a wellness community, awesome, you're around like-minded people. If you're joining a financial community or an intellectual community or a faith-based community or a hobbied community, those are really cool things to do for yourself, not only to cultivate hobbies and restoration and relaxation, but also to link you in with people who have common objectives to you. If you don't know where to start, a lot of local communities actually have meetup groups. So I know here in West Michigan, there's one, it's www.meetup.com. Then I think it's backslash Grand Rapids, but I don't know which way the slashes go. But either way, you can do social meetups. And this is really cool for someone going through a time of transition. Let's say you're new to an area. Let's say you're moving on from like high school into college, or you're moving on from high school into uh, the workforce, and you want to find people with shared hobbies. This is a really great platform to use for people maybe going through divorce. They feel like a lot of their friendships have been compromised, and so they don't necessarily necessarily stay connected to people that they were once close with. Meetup.com can be a great way to connect with people with common interests and hobbies. This is also going to be for people who are transitioning into being empty nesters. Are there communities out there that if you linked into them, you would both enjoy them recreationally, but you would also grow in community? So moving to a new area, post-breakup, new life transitions or new life stages, it's a great way to try to find new pieces of yourself that maybe you haven't really spent time discovering before. One of the things I would recommend, get really comfortable with being a beginner. If you're good with being a beginner, so many options open up to you. So there's a principle of three that I tend to recommend to my clients. I would recommend if you do want to start something, let's say you want to go try, um, I have a client doing cardio drumming right now and she absolutely loves it. But as she was going the first time, she was just really trepidatious. And I said, give it at least three sessions because the first session, it's all foreign. The second session, you understand the format and now you're going to start to see some of the patterns and rhythms. And by the third session, you're going to actually be able to keep up with some things. And so if it's something that you kind of want to do long-term, I highly recommend that you give it at least three goes before deciding if it's for you or not for you. And it's going to be clunky and awkward. Last weekend, I read my first subscription to Discovery Magazine. So it's a it's a science magazine, but it's um, it includes the hard sciences and the soft sciences. And I would be a lot more interested in anything really psychology related, but it has a bunch of hard science stuff in there too. I did not understand more than about 30% of what I was reading. But when I got my next magazine this week, I understood it a touch more. And over the next year or two, as I keep reading it recreationally, my reference points will expand and it will be much less of a stretch for me. And the cool thing is I'm not scared to be kind of immersed and unfamiliar right now. Over the last year, I've really challenged myself every month to do something that's just kind of out of my, or had once been out of my frame of reference or out of my wheelhouse. And it's not 
not always about recreation. Sometimes it's about learning, but things like taking day trips or going to restaurants alone, going on overnight trips, trying skiing this last year. That was brand new for me. Trying a motorcycle was new for me. Uh, joining a new gym, learning about the stock market. By the way, I have to learn a lot more there because that is brutal right now. Um, if you're an investor, you're probably kind of in the same boat I am. Learning about art and visiting galleries, hanging with new friends, going to new activities, uh, going to Trans-Siberian Orchestra, going to plays, um, attending improv. So many things just to see what's for me and what's not for me. We can learn so much about ourselves. We become far more well-rounded by discovering and focusing on what recreation we actually enjoy. It's a really cool piece of identity formation. When we think of culture and we think of how, again, culture has prioritized work, I think we gently push back against that and say, you know what? Yes, work matters and so does recreation. You want to find things where you're not just numbing out. You're not just spending the weekend watching TV and avoiding life. We want to actually go out and do things that bring us joy, bring us connection, and help cultivate us in some sort of way. And here's the thing. As we try new things, not everyone's going to agree with what we're doing. Not everyone's going to think that what we're doing is cool. We've got to get okay with that. I have a client who she's in her mid-40s and she went out and got an electric scooter. And people were like, really? You're in your 40s? And she's like, I know. And I love scooting and this is amazing. And so we've had to work through a little bit of kind of people rolling their eyes and, and her feeling a little embarrassed at times, but she loves it. And because she loves it, let her go and let her do. That's really exciting. One of the things prior to my cruise that I chose to start doing is going tanning. And I know there's a whole host of opinions on that. And one of my closest friends said, well, I hope you enjoy your melanoma. And I thought, you know what? That's your story. And I'm sorry that's your story, but it's not about you. It's about me going and doing something that I like. And so we might have to grow thick skin and push back against people who have opinions. Like when my client was out taking dance classes and going to a book study as her husband's fighting a diagnosis, guess what? That's her prerogative and it brings her joy. So lay off. When I went on my cruise, people were warning me about all the dangers of it, right? Like, ooh, what if what if something happens on the airplane or what if something happens on the boat or what if something happens in Fort Lauderdale or and, and you'll be alone? Yup. And I'm going to go and do it anyway. And if something happens, I guess I'll have to deal with it. But I think we have such big opinions about, ooh, if I'm uncomfortable with it, I'm going to warn other people. And I just want to say lay off. Like if people are out there doing things and it isn't self-destructive and it isn't destructive to others, they're actively seeking out pieces of their identity. Go forth and do. And I applaud you and I love that for you. And I highly encourage you continue it on. When people share their hobbies with us, they're literally inviting us into understanding them better and literally showing us a piece of them. Be respectful of it. And the last thing here is how does this all intersect with trauma? Many, many, many are asked to grow up emotionally and behaviorally far before they grow up chronologically. So a lot of kids don't actually get to figure out who they are and what are their likes and what are their dislikes because other people made those decisions for them. And some have never been given the time or the opportunity to meet themselves. And that's why recreational health matters. You get to go out and you get to set on a path of self-discovery and you get to figure out what is for you and what's not for you. And in doing so, you're taking ownership of your life in really cool and really interesting ways. Thanks so much, guys. I hope you have a good week and go find something fun to do. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.